This is a CBC Podcast. Ottawa says we have to do it. Saskatchewan says it can't be done. The federal and provincial governments are debating the options for greening our grid this week. And by yesterday, the premier was saying, come get me. If where we've come to in this country is when, uh, you know, individuals in, in this province or any other province uh, flick their lights on or their, or their furnace fan uh, kicks in, that, um, you know, that's deemed illegal and cause for uh, someone to, uh, you know, someone to, to go to jail, <laughs> come get me. I mean, we're standing up for an affordable, reliable power uh, supply here in Saskatchewan. That's Scott Moe speaking with reporters yesterday as the spring sitting wrapped at the legislature. For more on all of that, we've reached our political panel. Adam Hunter covers politics for CBC Saskatchewan. Murray Mandrick writes a political column in the Regina Leader Post, and they join us every week at this time. Hi, guys. Good Good morning. Adam, what's at issue here for the Premier? Well, this week, the provincial government in SAS Power uh, unveiled the province's power generation plan into the future. And there are a couple of headlines made there. One is that the provincial government is saying that they're not going to meet the 2035 net zero uh, target that the federal government's laid out for the electrical grid, that that it's unrealistic, it's unaffordable, and that the provincial government's plan and SAS Power's plan is to aim for 2050. The second headline from uh, this week uh, on that story is that the premier said that they will consider, and that was his words, consider running uh, coal plants and natural gas plants until their end of life. Uh, This is significant because in 2018, the federal government introduced regulations that would phase out coal by 2030, and the clean electricity standards that are not finalized yet have signaled that maybe natural gas plants may not be able to run without some sort of uh, carbon capture, if you will, uh, past 2035. Now, that has not been finalized yet. That's not clear. But uh, the 2030 date is the one with a conventional coal that the premier was re- referencing in that clip you heard. And uh, the federal government and the federal minister saying this week that it would be in violation of the criminal code for a jurisdiction to uh, run conventional coal past 2030. Murray, who is correct about whether we can or can't meet these obligations? Nobody is ever correct, Stephanie. But so, so let, let's begin with who's who's most wrong. Uh, the most wrong part is, is Gabo right now, basically suggesting that people are going to be arrested. And I get how he was probably baited into the question with uh, one of those evil reporters asking what's going to happen if this doesn't happen. This is the first thing that comes to top of mind. But then we get this distracted conversation related to how it's now about who's going to be arresting who. It's just a silly uh, debate that's never going to happen and uh, works really well in the Twittersphere and the political hyperbolic uh, uh, area of rhetoric that um, that the, the most political debate is in right now, but it's not going to work. In reality, no, we cannot meet that goal of green of being completely greened by 2035 simply because we are that dependent on fossil fuels natural gas is the stopgap measure is now 40 percent of our grid if you eliminate or if you add natural gas and coal it's 65 percent which is if given the sort of needs which is getting close to 7,000 uh megawatts or, or plus in that next 12-year period, we would have to find some way to generate 4,500 roughly uh, megawatts of electricity now being generated through fossil fuels by SAS Power. And that's just not on. You can, we can't build that many wind turbines or uh, solar panels. And uh, getting SMRs are slow. And by the way, we went through this whole nuclear debate 15 years ago, immediately after Brad Wall came in, and it was 
tiresome and arduous and leading to the conclusion that we can't really do that. Now we have a whole new other world with SMRs that we must move forward with or should move forward with if we're serious about getting any kind of production that isn't fossil fuel. But that's going to run into a whole other series of, of, of debates right now. So it's just not on. So what's really needed right now is, is less about who's right and who's wrong, but both sides to step back, be people, be adults, and have a realistic conversation. Otherwise, we'll lose what little opportunity we have to improve the situation we're now in. Adam, the opposition agrees with the government on this? Yeah, this uh, this is something I think is going to cause a bit of debate, and in, in certainly in the NDP circles, but the, the government and the Premier introduced a motion on Wednesday, uh, uh, basically asking for all the members to support the government's plan of uh, reaching net zero by 2050 and and sort of the, the the, the path we're on, let's say. And the NDP introduced a, an amendment, uh, the opposition leader introduced an amendment to that, kind of saying, we'd like to add uh, greening the grid as, as being, uh, and going to renewables kind of more aggressively is, is also a goal. Uh, the 40 uh, SAS party MLAs uh, voted against that amendment. But when it came to voting on the, on the motion, of course, the Saskatchewan party uh, MLAs voted in favor, but also the seven uh, NDP MLAs, opposition MLAs, who were in the house they also voted in favor of the motion which uh the premier thanked them for and was you know making a bit about it yesterday but uh carla beck when asked about it said you know they would have liked the provincial government to be more aggressive and go to renewables much sooner but the situation we're in right now as murray outlined is realistic we need to have a reliable power grid we we need to keep uh, protect jobs and investment coming to the province and that means that we're not going to probably hit the 2035 uh, net zero standard that the federal government's laid out. Murray, what do you make of this? Well, this session taught me that Carla Beck is serious, if not about becoming premier, at least putting the NDP in a position where it can be considered a serious alternative. And the serious alternative in Saskatchewan is basically not doing things that's going to offend a large swath of voters. And I've, we saw it a couple times this uh, session when they initially supported uh, uh, natural uh, gas electrical pr- uh, production. Uh, that was also a, a, a issue about two weeks ago in terms of, uh, uh, of this ongoing debate. And now we're sort of seeing it in their support of SAS Power's position that, look, we need to keep on some fossil fuels at least for a while. Obviously, this doesn't go well with certain elements within the NDP, presuming they are within the NDP. Who in the hell knows it at various times? Sometimes uh, uh, they're the best frenemies that uh, the NDP have right now. But the fact of the matter is I think Carla Beck is making a choice of being a serious uh contender for some level of better opposition, if not government, uh, rather than basically being sort of this this voice of uh, out in the wilderness that isn't sort of terribly practical and, and, and no one will ever vote for. In that sense, I think it was probably a good session for uh, uh, Carla Beck. It certainly wasn't a good session for uh, uh, a government where, you know what, growth didn't work terribly well for everyone. It was a weird thing to really uh, hook your whole session around. Uh, on that note, of course, yesterday was the last day. Uh, Adam, what got done? The government's going to point to the Saskatchewan First Act, which is their big, uh, you know, tentpole legislation that, uh, you know, at the last minute got an amendment to say that, you know, we 
protect treaty rights in this in this bill. Uh, the bill was also, you know, passed in front of a gallery full of Indigenous uh, leaders, you know, Métis leaders that were saying, you know, this is not something we agree with. And so that was pretty fascinating. That was all the way back in March, seems a long time ago. Uh, and also the billion dollar uh, surplus, which the government spent to pay down the debt and they're being criticized and were criticized for the past number of weeks by the opposition for not spending that on K-12 education uh, or more of it on it, uh, on health care to get people family doctors and improve, uh, you know, EMS weights, those sorts of things, and to improve uh, social assistance. So those are some of the things that will stand out, I think, when people look back on this in the last number of weeks. And Murray, you, you can drink in the park this long weekend if you want, I guess, which is uh, one late breaking bit of news from the yeah. session. I might have to after this session. I uh, note this coming from a guy who who often says something that he thinks is pithy and, and witty in the moment and regrets it later. But this session will be defined by this growth for everyone stuff that didn't work for the government. And it didn't work because it fed into that public frustration out there is that if you have that much money, how come I'm dealing with inflation? How come my kids' classrooms are overcrowded? How come I can't find a doctor uh, or have to drive X number of hours to uh, uh, to hit an emergency room and find that I have to wait X number of hours afterwards because they're so crowded. These are tough issues for any government to handle and just can't be solved overnight, even regardless of the amount of money. But it's why the theme for the government this didn't work especially well. Uh, this is something that they're going to have to address. And I don't even know if you can address it in the usual ways that they have, like throwing money at problem or cutting taxes, like they probably are going to do with the provincial sales tax before the next election. The government has some fixing to do because of this session. And that's a weird thing to say, given how strong the budget is with this billion dollar surplus. But as we saw with the teachers rally, we saw with a whole bunch of other issues, there's a significant amount of discontent out there. It's just a session. And there's still generally support, particularly in rural Saskatchewan, for that SAS party brand, so they're hardly threatened, but they would be wise to look at where their problems are and direct money towards that to at least alleviate some of the pressures that were created and brought to attention this session by the NDP. Thanks very much, you guys. You're very welcome. You're welcome. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.